Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Earth Sea Love Podcast. This podcast is for and about women of colour and our relationship with nature. Hosted by me, Cherie Mack. The Earth Sea Love Podcast is committed to exploring the experiences of women of colour with Mother Nature. We want to provide spaces where the hidden voices in the environmental and conservation conversations can explore their relationship with the natural world. Inspired by our time spent outdoors, we amplify the voices of women of colour, our stories, our conversations, interviews, photography, writing and artwork. We'll be exploring our legacies, histories and memories which have had an influence and effect upon how we perceive ourselves within the natural world and within the environmental and climate justice movements. Welcome to the Earth Sea Love Podcast. The Earth Sea Love Podcast has been made possible by the funding from National Lottery Heritage Fund. Thank you. Hi, welcome back to the Earth Sea Love Podcast. And this is the first episode in season three. And I think it's like episode 37 in the whole back catalogue of the podcast. But I could be wrong. But welcome, welcome. This is the first part sort of like the introduction to a mini series where I'm in conversation with Velda Thomas and we're talking about her recent release, well should be released now I think, um, publication which is writing and artwork and it's called Blended Perspectives on Belonging, a participatory notebook and this is a mixture of poetry, prose pieces, um, um, prints that are in there as well and also they've got um, a section where there's a reflection where there's questions that are asked of the reader so it's actually you interact with the the text that might have gone before the questions things that might have come up for you while reading and engaging with this text and it was so good to re reconnect with Velda because we Velda's already been a, a guest on our podcast but this was an in-depth investigation exploration of this um, publication blended and it was so good to talk around the creative process and the subject, the content matter. Because Blended is all about, um, uh, what would you say, black women, race, identity, trauma, generational healing. 
and it was just a really good conversation. So what we're going to be doing in this mini series are bringing you our conversation, which are centered around certain extracts that we've, which well, which Rafelda actually read um, from this text. So what we have, we have a conversation, we have a section where Velda's reading the extract, and then we sort of like unpick it afterwards and have a conversation about it. And what comes up in this section, which is focusing on the piece which is called In Service, is actually how when you're a black woman and you write, you are writing and you share that to a, a readership, to the public, you make yourself visible. You are so visible, open and vulnerable. And what this does for the readers is actually give them some kind of insight. They get to be in a privileged position of getting to see and understand and hopefully appreciate the inner workings of a black woman's mind, body and spirit. So it was such a good healing process for me to read Velda's work and have this conversation with her around this work. And it, it, was, it was inspiring. It did, it did help me fall back in love with my own writing and what I've been struggling with um, recently. So I so appreciate um, this conversation with Velda and I'm so pleased that we're sharing it with you. Um, so yeah, so this is the first part, sort of like introduction. And then what will follow will be the conversation and the readings of part one and part two, Mammy, together. And then another, another episode we'll explore and talk about and you'll hear the readings for part three and part four of Mammy. So yeah, so the, the plan is, is that there's three episodes here, I think. <laughs> we'll see if it works out that way. But yeah, here at the podcast, we'd really like to hear your responses. How you, how are these episodes landing with you once you've listened to them, obviously. But yeah, feedback, comments, star reviews are always welcome. But yeah, so um, this is the introduction in service with Velda Thomas. Enjoy. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. How you been? Oh, I tell you, I have been so busy. Um, summer is like around here. It's a flurry of activity. So, yeah, I've been busy working, getting this book release kind of ready to go. Um, actually, today is the official launch of the book. Well, not actually not the official launch. It's the, the launch of the pre-order today. It's all going to pop up on Instagram. Well, I think what I'm going to do is um, put the book on Amazon and then it will be available worldwide. That definitely. Yeah. Means. And then I don't have to deal with all that shipping and handling and packaging. Well, congratulations yeah. 
on Thank that you. launch, that pre-sales advancement. That's that's an achievement. How do you feel? I feel like it's as a black woman, I feel like I'm working on becoming visible Mm. in a different way. So I, I don't know. um, I'm not sure exactly what it's going to mean. It's kind of like, you know, I've put these words together and sometimes I'm like, you know, is this, is, is this, am I sharing something so personal that it's going to harm me or is this going to be a window into something new for me? Yeah. Mm. It's a vulnerable thing to, to do, to write a book and put it out there. And especially like the type of content I think that I I'm sharing is, um, yeah, it will be interesting to see how I, how I feel about it yeah in a few months yeah yeah Yeah. it's on you published before Cherie yes I have I have um a number of chat books but then two full collections of poetry um a non-fiction a little section of my memoir definitely and I get it when you say about becoming visible in a sense, you know, they do say it's like setting out your stall. But as a black woman and what we write about, it's not just setting out your stall. You're setting out the insides of yourself on that st- yeah. on that stall. That I'm means, getting goosebumps now. <laughs> it means open to all the elements, not just the gaze or the touching or the comments. It, well, that's why I think we should actually celebrate this point, the actual launching it or getting it, you know, the completion of it yes, and then sending yes, it out, yes. out into the world because that is an yes. achievement in itself. And what yeah. happens to it, it's not your task. It's not your task. Exactly. What happens to it now? Exactly. Your work. And um, yeah, you should you should be um, relishing and <laughs> you know just exuberating in this moment. Yeah, Take well, I do time. feel I I do kind of have a sense of pride because I feel like I I really didn't realize how much detail oriented um, work was involved in writing a book. how how many times did I go over and over and over the text and how many times um the you know kind of just in a zone with creating illustrations and then just just envisioning how this was actually going to feel in someone's hands it's a and and just the follow-through necessary the kind of discipline and the follow-through necessary to self-publish a work yeah it's it's a yeah it's a big deal yeah yeah I now totally understand why you're coming mm-hmm. I've self-published and published other people mm-hmm. going over again and again it is the case of you are really close to the work and when you read it you know what you're saying you know what you want mm-hmm. to do but then taking it from you and putting it out to other people's eyes and into the public realm, you have to be focusing on clarity is what I'm trying to say coming across. And is it coming across in the best possible way? 
you have to use a little a different part of your brain to get to that point you know the creativity you know once we get past that blank page it flows you know you get into that groove and it's I say it's it's falling in love with your process yeah you make those you show up for each other you know exciting and it's thrilling and you know there have been times that I've dressed up put the makeup on put the perfume on got my my favorite cup out so I could have that date with my muse with my memoir with whatever I'm working on yeah I love that so that is like oh my gosh you're in this honeymoon period you know Mm -hmm. um and then to switch that out into the editing mode, into that nitpicking, you know, Uh is this really saying what I want it to say? That's a different energy and that's a different, oh, what? Not just, it's that attention to detail that you, you know, a different attention to detail that you must bring to the piece. Absolutely. And we know we're operating in a judgmental, harsh world where where people are they're quick to criticize in mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. we put out there that's part of the fear of the creative process but the thing that gets me is um a lot of these people who do criticize haven't actually put pen to paper themselves haven't actually tried to be <laughs> writers themselves sitting on their backsides <laughs> passing out these judgments like you know yeah. So I yeah, it's it's a birthing process for sure. Yeah, birthing project, and what you you called it? It's blended perspectives on belonging. Is that correct? Yeah, that's the title. Yeah, yeah, and thank you, thank you, thank you for sending through the beautiful images. You know, the cover, and then the images that are inside this. It's a book of like, I would say poetry and personal narrative Mm -hmm. is kind of the content of the writing. And then I decided I was going to hire an illustrator and I was like, you know, I used to have dreams of like being a fine artist before I got sidetracked, you know? So I was like, let me just go back to those roots and see what needs, what could emerge, you know? Mm -hmm. And I started cutting um, lino cuts And I got so into it, Cherie, that before I knew it, I had like 30 different designs. Wow. And it started off that I had a bunch of photographs of my hands. And I was like thinking, you know, like for me, hands are kind of like an expressive extension of the heart and soul, how people gesture and how they use their hands and what they hold in their hands. Mm. So I had all these photographs that then I made drawings and then I made lino cuts of the hands. And then from there, I went into kind of like, well, who are the characters in this text? Who is the mammy? Who is the champion, the man that I'm talking about? Who is my beloved black man? You know, so I, so I um, started kind of making a series of cameos. I call them cameos, but they're all black and white. The prints are all black and white in the book. And um, I think it really kind of, um, I don't know. It's like, so it really, it's a multi, multidisciplinary um, piece of work 
yeah because it's it's the writing it's the poetry it's the personal narrative it's the art and then also the text i you maybe you noticed when you were reading is i ask a lot of questions in the text because i don't have all the answers yeah and i i love this yeah. idea of like living with a question and just letting it kind of be part of your body until you feel some kind of somatic resonance or answer for yourself, you know, and everybody's body is different. So I, so the book is also a participatory notebook. Mm -hmm. So the idea is that when you read the text, there's reflection questions and blank pages for your own kind of creative process with the text. Another part of my reason for doing that was because I feel like for black and brown people to process some of this content is exhausting. Mm -hmm. and, and if white bodies are reading this text, I hope that they would be able to kind of do some of their own personal work to get to a place where they may have a certain point of understanding before having to process with a person who's black or brown. Mm. Yeah. And, and then I think to myself, you know, some people process with words, some people might doodle, some people might do collage. The, the blank pages are open for just inviting creative expression. So the book, in, in essence, then becomes kind of a collaboration yeah. with the reader. Yeah, I love that. I love that because, um, yeah, I was going to mm -hmm. mention about that. It's a participatory notebook. And yeah, what you're doing, you know, we said we're setting out that stall there, but also with those questions in and reflections and those blank pages, you're also setting out how you want or expect your readers to engage with the text in a certain way you're saying yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're reading it but you've got to do the work you've got to do some work yourself yeah, yeah. you've got to be internalizing yeah. this and that is a collaboration yeah. because yeah you know you're saying black and brown bodies are exhausted because we are doing the work and it's been continuously mm -hmm. looked towards us to do that work to be educated exactly. the white population and that is tiring yeah, there's black emotional labor and this exhaustion isn't just for this last couple of years. It is right. a generational exhaustion. Exactly. So, exactly. yeah, take this book into your white hands, read it at your leisure. But then also you need to do some work on yourself with this new information that has come to light. That is right. what you have to do if you want to be becoming more, and I'm, I'm, you know, I don't use this a lot, more woke or more anti-racist, basically. Exactly, exactly. And I have to say that I feel like it's also a book that black and brown bodies can also use to, you know, maybe I've articulated things that were felt but not able to be articulated before. Mm -hmm. So my husband was looking through a proof of the book the other day, and it was really his first time looking at the text. Mm -hmm. And he said, I kind of feel like I'm a fly on the wall to somebody's personal process. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
and I thought that was really interesting because I didn't I, I didn't really view it like that, but I think it is that it's kind of like a window into information that maybe you wouldn't have access to otherwise. You're inviting them into a privileged position. You're, it is a privilege to come onto the inside because of what we've just been saying, that idea of uh, you, are, you are making yourself vulnerable. And yes, you needed to do this. You needed to have this process, as you're saying, because this is this is you working through issues and stuff and trauma for yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in exactly. a very open way and generous, generous way. And people people have asked me, like, so you know, who who book for? Well, I wrote it for myself yes. because I needed it. Yes. I didn't write it for anybody else. I needed to do this work for me. And I feel like, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it more in our conversation. I feel like it's, it has been a very healing, but challenging process. Yeah. 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 And that's, yeah. I mean, that is the gift. You needed to do this work for yourself, but what you're doing is actually you're sharing you're sharing this mm -hmm. so people can maybe see themselves in there they can resonate with it they can feel less alone and they get gain strength and inspiration from this to think like yes you know I can move through whatever these issues or problems that are facing me you know it gives people it gives people hope it gives them that maybe a, an example of healing cool okay so I'm going to start with in service it's written by velda thomas and it is read by velda thomas in service a sunny day i was walking my dog my own thoughts frightened me it went like this if i'm not giving to others who am i and what is my purpose my heart sank into the pit of my belly. I felt utterly lost for a few minutes. I answered myself with, well, you'd be dead. Panicked, I fled, stuffing emotions into my body, stored for another time that would take me closer to the truth buried within this thought. Knowing that I am a good survivor of the past's wounds. On my grandfather's birth certificate, it states that his father was a laborer and his mother a domestic. My ancestors were slaves. In servitude to others. They were caregivers, sailors, cooks, musicians, teachers, and healers. They were born into a life of service that was expected and necessary. Serve and survive or die. They called my grandmother Mammy. She cared for, and as she put it, white people's children. Spoken more as fact, but with a tinge of bitterness that she did not spend her days loving on her own six beautiful brown children. So what might be the upturning remnants of slavery that play out in a lifetime when you are the descendant of slaves. 
Due to my mother's illness when I was eight years old, I became her child caregiver. In service to my mother, because she needed me until I eagerly left her house at 17 years of age. Hurting, angry, and with something important to prove. Therapy would mean I was broken, crazy, and in desperate need of the help of others. That I was not. Beautiful and young, I prided myself with being independent, self-reliant, and capable. I continued living my life to find I landed in varieties of service. Did I uncover my true vocation? Did I find what I'm gifted at? Or did my ancestors groom me for a life of servitude? Joining society's views and values that fit what a black woman can become. Overlooking or unable to see beyond the stereotypes of cleaner, nanny, cook, caregiver, birth worker, basically fitting any construct that includes giving of oneself to meet others' needs is an acceptable role to fill in the eyes of dominant culture for a black woman and ensures safety and survival. I sank into a comfortable life based on the concept that giving was a way of surviving. Providing value and being needed equated playing out some dysfunctional pattern. I felt undeserving and emotional when becoming the recipient of any unrequited goodness. Somewhere inside, knowing that there must be a truer way to be. I now acknowledge that emptying all the reserves is not a long-term sustainable way to habituate and thrive without encountering stress, burnout, and illness. In honor of my ancestors' hard work towards freedom, I must continue to move in the progressive direction of getting free. Free of the remnants of slavery created by a system of white supremacy fed by greed. Still running its agenda through me. Which means I'm examining standards I've accepted for myself within all my current relationships. Asking difficult questions like, How am I received when I'm meeting my needs? Am I welcome when I'm not giving? Am I invited because my presence soothes? Am I supported with no expectation? Recently, I saw an illuminated sign on the front of a city bus. Out of service. Not that the bus had no purpose. It was simply taking no passengers at this time, giving clear information that being of service is a choice. I ask myself, what if I am out of service to others and being supported in service to myself? Or at least able to find a balance where one consciously feeds the other. The gift of choosing to be in service to myself requires a precise set of circumstances. Safety, trust, time, connection, a willingness to ask and receive. The possibilities then cascade into expression and right action, 
beginning with myself, rippling out to others as a template for a new way of living. An action of support may release my ancestors from their shackles. An action of support may bring abundance and freedom to future generations of my lineage. An action of support may allow me to live out my days without the invisible bondage of indebtedness to others. An action of support may simply mean me living a creative life. I will welcome meeting my ancestors when my time comes, knowing that I did my part in our family's generational evolution. Right now, I choose to honor me and be in service to myself. I still don't really know what freedom means. I still don't know where freedom will lead me. But I do know I'm ready. I dream of feeling freedom, feeling wholly welcomed and received. My marker for this experience of freedom is the still tangible memory of the embrace of my grandmother's unconditional love. I know there in her arms I am accepted as I am, free to forever be me. Thank you. Mm. How did that feel, hearing it read back to you? You reading your work. Yeah, yeah. I had a few kind of heart racing moments, kind of like, ooh, it still, it rings true for me still. Yeah. In, in what sense? Because it's titled In Service. What did it mean before the poem and then after the poem was written? What does it mean for you? Mm-hmm. So, so I think the initial, I, I have been for years kind of thinking about like, what does it mean to be in service? What does it mean to participate in community and be in service to others? So before writing the piece, it was more about like, what, what is my, my, my outward action? It was all about this outward action of giving and trying to find a path through this giving. And when I wrote this piece afterwards, it was more about um, turning that upside down and saying, well, what does it look like if I'm in service to myself, not in service to others? Mm. Like, is that even a possibility for me? How, how could I shift that? Is, is that going to be acceptable to those people around me? Always, I would say, using my nervous system and my body to soothe, comfort, and I say heal kind of in parenthesis because that's who knows what people experience when you work with them, right? I, I have learned how to use my nervous system and assist other people in co-regulating. So, you know, when people come in for a massage, their energy bodies might be, you know, a little fractured and they come in and I have somehow figured out how to regulate them and help them to feel better when they leave. So, uh, so I feel like that type of service is not sustainable long-term. Mm-hmm. Like the nervous system um, cannot just cannot maintain that long term. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look at 
other people and I think to myself, well, you know, how are they doing it? How are they able to, to be in this and still be okay? Where I feel like I'm having to rest and take self-care measures in order to be back at work again. Mm-hmm. So, so after writing this piece, I had more of a notion of what does it look like to center myself and not center the other? Mm. Yeah. I, I don't really have, I mean, I, I don't feel like I've really completely been able to put that into practice now. I, I notice that when I do try to center myself, that other people are sometimes uncomfortable because it means that then I'm not available to them in the same way that I was. Yeah, how dare you? How yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of like they have a quizzical look on their face. Mm. Like, oh, you're taking the month of October off. So that means you're not going to be available to me. What am I going to do? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Not, so, actually, so, yeah. not actually flipping it and looking at it from your point of view and thinking, wow, she must been working so hard and giving to others that she needs to take a month off. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I am in that mode now. August, you know, I've been sending mm-hmm. automatic emails have been going out. Sorry, I'm off for the month of August. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's a clear message. However, some people think it doesn't apply to them. So then right. they'll call me and they'll text me, even mentioning. I got your email saying you're on holiday, but I'm just getting in touch to tell you this and you need to do this. And I, can you do this? It's like, what? Yeah, 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 exactly. So yeah, essentially it's, it feels like setting a boundary. Yes. But it also feels like a boundary that generationally has not been set. Yes, yes. And I think that is what you are exploring like the tip of the iceberg here within this piece because you've got yeah. the body yeah stuffing emotions into it yeah mm-hmm. and that idea what we've just been talking about the body keeping the score and there's yeah. that book by um Agnes Benzel Bessel van der Kong or something like yeah that, yeah and throughout the pieces that I've read this one in service and the mammy ones that we're going to come to mm-hmm. you mentioned the body you mentioned mm-hmm. the trauma you mentioned the ancestral trauma you've got these yeah. ancestors being in servitude as slaves and the thing is it's like you know they they didn't have control over this you know they became those those, those working machines bringing out the profits for the plantation owners, et cetera. So they mm-hmm. didn't have a choice. They were right. enslaved. However, there is that, for me, there's that ingrained sense of servitude. And from, from my point of view, like, you know, I need to be needed. I need to know that people uh, need my help and I'm the only one that can help them and I will help them because that makes right. me feel right. good. And that for me, I'm thinking, is this, because you've got also groomed in terms of the behaviors of yeah. our ancestors that had to be adopted to survive, but we're Absolutely. continually having 
replaying these behaviors and attitudes in the present day now unconsciously believe that we are yes yeah yeah Yeah, i believe we are and and i think that it's um the reason one of the reasons that i come back to the body yes is because i feel like if you if you you know there's a whole thing i don't know whether you've heard about the nap ministry here instagram page called the Nap ministry so you know her whole thing is about resting and the thing is that as a people as an enslaved people we have been so busy and so into grind culture for hundreds of years maybe right that when we stop we actually have to feel what's what might surface and it's painful and it's hard Uh, but I believe that the body has the wisdom to kind of give us the I don't believe that I believe that the body will give us exactly what we can handle when we're able to handle it it's not going to overwhelm us so if we can take the time to kind of be with the body and be with the feelings that are surfacing and work with the somatics of of what we're feeling and allow our body to kind of move and to process, then we eventually come come up with some wisdom and some creativity. Mm. So that's my, and I feel like, you know, as a body worker, I'm always referring to the body because that's, that's our first home. That's where we live. Yeah. Our body is our first home. And, and also I, think a lot about recently I've, I've been writing pieces on my patreon account about um the womb and and really looking at like what was the quality of the womb that that you were in before you were born like what was you know there's been now been um studies about uh hormones kind of transferring through into the the you know the brain blood barrier that that then the fetus then experiences these hormones such as cortisol um which is a fight flight hormone which is a survival instinct hormone right and if you're always in that survival instinct and you're not in the opposite which is the rest and digest the kind of stimulated by the vagus nerve we just we can't unwind we can't unwind what what we've um stored in our body unless we are able to feel it sit with it be with it and process it somehow and sometimes we don't even know what it is and when we look towards support to help Mm -hmm. us with this trauma Mm -hmm. this what what's within our bodies um, mm-hmm. which we which we are if we think about it because of the history and the society that way we're constantly fleeing from our bodies we don't want to be in our bodies we don't want to feel as you're saying so we mm-hmm. have all these distraction mechanisms mm-hmm. but when mm-hmm. we make that decision hey I think I need some help I think I need some support and reach out because you've mentioned in this piece about therapy I said to my son recently, I said to him, you know, one of the most courageous things that you can do is ask for help. Mm-hmm. Because, because I think that we, we are conditioned to feel like we're superhuman. 
-hmm. And some of us are superhuman, but but we're also vulnerable and we're also fragile. So I think that um, first of all, recognizing I, you know, for me, I'm kind of like, do I feel like I'm actually thriving? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is maybe or no, then I probably need some kind of help. Do I feel like I'm, do I feel numb or disconnected from my body? Am I triggered when somebody starts talking about money or wealth or food or, you know, it could be anything, you know, am I feeling triggered? You know, is it, do I have a, an unreasonable reaction to that? Mm -hmm. um, denial, you know, am I not willing to look at things that are causing me pain? Mm -hmm. You know, have I built up some habits in my life? These are all, I'm just kind of giving like possible scenarios that you might say, I, I might need some help from somebody somehow. And I think that help can look different for a lot of different people. I mean, I believe that nature is a beautiful healer, um, but sometimes we need a little more support. So for myself, I have chosen to do um, EMDR therapy, which is kind of a trauma release through um, rapid eye movement. Mm -hmm. And you actually, it's not a talk therapy, which I love. It's a somatic therapy. So you might start talking about something and then you realize that your throat is constricting and your therapist will be like, oh, okay, so let's just kind of sit with that stay with that feeling for a minute and you'll do these kind of rapid eye movements like following a, a pointer or something like that and then what's amazing is the brain's capacity to process something that's traumatic and put it in a different part of your brain so you don't react to it and it's amazing to me that your body can figure that out without you having to actually go back in and re-traumatize yourself with the content yeah and that's just another another example as you're saying of the body having the, the answer, wisdom. having wisdom yeah. 